Amen. What a wonderful day for us to be able to gather together as God's family here at Temple and to be able to celebrate what he has done in our lives. You know, there are so many memories, so many different things that people could share of God's faithfulness in these last 90 years. And even um, for those of you who've been here for a while, for those of us that haven't been there here quite as long, we all can share different types of ministry, many types of memories that God has given us. You know, I think to myself in these very short time, this very short time, these, these short years that God has allowed me to be the pastor here, he has just created so much affection and love and relationship in my heart for this church. And I can't even imagine how you could magnify that, multiply that through the years and see that play out in so many different people's lives. But I am thankful. This week, I've had different folks that share in different stories, different things about the anniversary, about the church itself. Some of you may not know this, but Miss Barbara Washington was playing the organ a few moments ago. She played on our 40th anniversary, our 50th anniversary, our 60th anniversary, our 75th anniversary, and our 85th anniversary. Something like that, right, Miss Barbara? I thought that was incredible to know that she had been here to be a part of those celebrations. Uh, this week, I think it was uh, Bodie and Joe were talking about how it was on the 40th, no, 50th, 50th anniversary, they joined the church. They remember. So basically, it's 40 years ago today that they joined the church, and they talked about that. Miss, Miss Mary Alice, we talked earlier about her being here 80 years this week with Anderson's, uh, James, thinking about your mom just as she's getting ready to make this transition to see Christ face to face, was here basically 79 years, I think we figured out. So many different ones have so many different kinds of memories. Miss Peggy Bain was showing me her cradle roll certificate this morning. <laughs> 1941. She still had it. It was signed by Dale Oden, education minister. <laughs> telling you Dale's holding up well for his age <laughs> but there's so many different memories that we can share and we can talk about and, and and you know as we come together and we remember all those things God collects all those things together for us so that we will be reminded of his faithfulness to us for this day should not be about us it should not be about who we are but it should be about who he is because there is none beside thee god there's none beside the god of the heaven that we serve today he is the one who's empowered us and given us strength anything and everything that we've been able to accomplish it is because of god and his strength empowering us we must recognize that and this must be a day when we stop and we say god thank you because we recognize our source of life and energy and strength and we recognize that and we push forward into the ministry that he's called us to be about we get to live life together i want you to take your copy of god's word this morning and turn to romans 15. romans 15 as basically paul speaks to a church about living a life together that we can be a part of each other's life, that we can come together. And I really believe that here Paul punctuates this book, his letter to the Romans, but also he speaks to us today as we look back upon our history and as we look forward to what God has for us, he speaks to us so clearly about living 
life together. Notice what Paul says beginning in verse 1. He says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the burdens of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks to that Roman church, and he speaks to them about being together, about living together. Notice in those first couple of three verses, he says that they are able to serve or share together. They're able to share together. He says in verse 1, We then who are strong ought to bear with the burdens of the weak and not to please ourselves. So he says, this is the life of the church that you've been called into. You're living a life in community. Your life touches other people's lives. And he says specifically, when you come together, you should come together to share one another's burdens. That you're sharing with one another. Now, those of you who've been here, you know that Paul had been talking about the strong and the weak. And he he recognized that each believer was at a different place in his spiritual journey. And he recognized that there are some that needed the encouragement. They needed, they needed affirmation in their lives. They needed somebody to come along and to help them when they were experiencing their weakest days. So Paul says, you who are strong, you ought to be able to go and help lift up that other individual. Carry that other individual's burdens. Literally what it means is to take a little bit of the load. To lessen the load of your fellow believer. Look and think about how awesome this is as a church, as a people of God. That we can come together and we can recognize that we have difficulties and weaknesses. And as we come together, as we live in community, somehow we can bear each other's weaknesses, bear each other's burdens. And because of that, we can be stronger as a people. Paul says, you've got to bear with one another. In verse 2, he says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Now, he's not talking about pleasing your neighbor to compromise the truth. That is not what he's saying. Basically, what he's saying, though, is that you look to your neighbor's interest. You try to help your neighbor. You're trying to live a selfless life. It's not about me. 
It's not about what I want, but it's how I can help my brother and sister in Christ. That's what Paul says. And he says, if you want an example, verse 3, if you want an example, all you've got to do is look at Jesus Christ. He says that Christ did not please himself. But what did he do? He took upon the reproaches of those of us who were so desperately weak. That Christ Jesus gave us an example. That he left, he left the privileges and the prerogatives of heaven itself to come and to serve us, to share with us. That's the example of being able to share together. See, I do believe that God gives us a significant relationship within the church life where we can share together in such burdens and weaknesses, strengths and joys that he allows us to have this experience. I was listening to the oars a moment ago talk about the church life and those people that took them in. And Dustin talking about those who had been there in some difficult days for him and just encouraged him. And you know, that could be the story across our congregation of individuals who had been there to encourage and to affirm. Listen, as Dr. Orr said a moment ago, he didn't know what people did without a good church. It is hard to imagine. I, I, I tell people sometimes that, you know, we have different mediums today where you can hear good preaching and good teaching. Uh, I will go ahead and admit this, that basically all you've got to do is download a sermon, uh, maybe from one of the principal preachers here in our nation, and, and you, will, you will hear a better message than you get today. You, you'll do that. Did I admitted that, right? You knew it already, though. See, you already did. I see you. Uh, amen. I got you. Right. Yes. You can, you, can hear, you can hear good teaching. You can hear good, good preaching. But, but get this about the church life. You cannot live in community and bear one another's burdens by simply downloading sermons off the Internet or listening to sermons on the television. You need somebody. You need a visible presence. You need flesh and blood to come around you and encourage you because, my friends... All the technology in the world will not bring you the comfort, will not come around you and hug you and give you what you need like a local church will do. It is a local church where they come and they bear each other's burdens. Amen. Just encourage you to recognize that we share together. We share each other's burdens. Through the years, we've done that in some different ways. Maybe it was while we were just standing around talking. Now, some of you may recognize some of these people. I don't recognize them. But they're just standing around talking. Hey, isn't it great that when you come together as God's people, sometimes God moves in just an ordinary conversation that you have. Or you see somebody you thought you hadn't seen in a while and you ask them about missing them and you find out there were some things that were going on in their life. It was just... Maybe it was just casual conversation. Or maybe it was as you came to pray for one another. Isn't it awesome to know that we can bear each other's burdens by praying for one another? I think one of the greatest acts of love, one of the greatest opportunities for love that we see in the church is when someone comes and says, I want to pray for you. That is an act of love. 
that they will take the time, that they will be so intentional that they would lift your name up to the Father and intercede on your behalf to pray. Or maybe it was to serve. Maybe it was through the years just simply building a ramp for somebody because they had a weakness or burden in their life. Maybe it was temporary, maybe it was permanent, but you have been there. I say to you that we need to make sure that we are sharing together. We are sharing one another's burdens. Let me give you something practical to do today, okay? Before you leave this place, now don't get totally distracted. I've still got a few points, all right? I know it's getting late, but we're feeding you here, so you've got to count the driving time. I'm going to keep some of you for the driving time, all right? Don't do it necessarily while I'm preaching. But I want you, before we, we close the service, I'd like for some of you just to look around. I want you to look at certain people and I want you to think about the people that were there to encourage you. Some of you who recognize those. Maybe it was just a friend. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a roommate. Maybe it was somebody else who just kind of came along and said, Hey, been praying for you. Once you know, you've been in my thoughts. Or maybe they did something tangible as a way of serving in your life. Why don't you just stop today? Maybe it's during a moment of invitation. Maybe it's when we go over to this fellowship hall. Go find them and say, hey, I just want to thank you. Just want to thank you. Because you meant a lot to me during a certain time of my life. Do that. Hey, what is better? Look around and I want you to note individuals in this place. And some of you know that these individuals are going through difficult times right now. I encourage you to purpose in your heart to, to, to decide, to be determined, to say, Hey, I, I'm going to go. And I'm going to be an encourager in that person's life. I want to share with them that you would take that proactive posture, stance, that you would go. And you would bear with others the burdens. He says that you share together. In verse 4, I think he says, you study together. He says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Paul says there is something about the scriptures themselves that speak to us and encourage us. And as a church coming together, what do we get to do? We get to study together. Now, we study individually, certainly before we come, but hopefully and prayerfully, we study together. Our emphasis, you have heard for many years, one of our mottos, come gather around the Word. That we want the Word to be central to who we are as a church and as a people. And we want to be able to study together. Well, in the early days, the temple was built upon the Word of God. Early days, as they came together to study, to hear what God would say collectively. And oh, how I heard about how God used people here in this church to proclaim the Word of God. When I came to Temple, I was getting all prepped and ready and I, I did a little research. I'd heard about Temple through the years. Being down in South Louisiana, I, 
the Louisiana Baptist Convention, I heard about Temple and, and the different things that had gone on and the characteristics of Temple. Do you know what I always heard is the strength of Temple Baptist Church? That they gather around the Word, they stand for the Word, they have had preachers through the years that have stood for the Word. It seemed to always go back to the Scripture. I heard about a guy named Robert McGee, a good Mississippi guy, <laughs> Miss Vivian. I heard about Dr. McGee and how he was one of the chief expositors of our state and perhaps even the Southern Baptist Convention, how he could stand and how he could speak with such, well, with such fluency, how he can make the Scripture come alive. I heard that through the years. Before I came here, I heard about, I pastored people at Zachary that had sat under the one and only Dr. McGee. I'd heard about him. I'd heard about Dr. Rick. I'd heard about how Dr. Rick was this unbelievable, unbelievable teacher and preacher. When I was at New Orleans, also, John Ann, I heard some, some difficult stories about him too. <laughs> he knew how to drive those students down there. I'd heard about that, that he wanted to dig into the Word and, and, and give the Word to his people. And, and you know, since I'd been, been here, I recognize too, it's not only the large group Bible study, but it's the small group Bible study that is perhaps our bread and butter. That as you're sitting in a Sunday school class and as you're studying, you're digging into God's Word, you ask questions and you seek to know more. You study together in these different places, in these different classes. It's tremendous to know that God allows us to study together, to challenge one another. That's what Paul says about the Scripture informing us, encouraging us, coming alongside of us. But notice also in verse 5 and verse 6, he says that you're able, well, you're able to seek together, seek one purpose, one plan. Notice he says, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says that you have one mind, that you have a unity about you. Uh, I did a little study. It's, it's the idea of one intense emotion, a, the same emotion, the same passion that drives you and drives, it drives me, is that we're able to come together in unity. Through the years, we've been able to do that. Now, God has his work in all of us as his people to bring us upon his agenda. But through the years, we've seen unity. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's when we decided to, well, maybe it's when we decided to relocate here to this interstate. Some of you remember back then the unity. Now, there were discussions Right? Some of I've heard about discussions. There are discussions in every Baptist church. But in the end, there was a unity of the church coming together to relocate. In more recent times, when the church launched out in a, in a major effort to reach out to children and, and to be able to, to provide a place for them, the journey place, and God provided in so many different ways. But not, not just in the building processes. How about missions? How about God calling us to one mind about missions and being the voice of God to the, 
to the nations. This was last year as we uh, basically set aside the McWhorters here on a Sunday night to send them off. How we were able to come together in incredible unity and do what we needed to do to help fund them and finance them and take care of them. God allows us to be of one mind. Let me just say to you, you've heard me over the last few weeks say it, and I will proclaim it again today. There are too many, there are too many things at stake in our nation today, in our culture today, in our community today. Too many things that are at stake, too many big item agendas. We do not have time for dissension. We do not have time for small divisions. We do not have time to debate the small things. We are called to be the heart and the voice of Jesus Christ to this nation and beyond. And God wants us to be of the same mind, same heart, going out and making sure, just as we have before, going out and making sure that the ministry of Christ is known. Paul says... I pray that you would know that unity of God in your hearts. Well, verses 7 through 12, basically what he says is that we can sing together. You can read those verses again, but basically he says we're able to sing, we're able to worship. He talks about how the Gentiles have been brought into the family. That means you and I. We've been brought into the family. We've been grafted into the people of God. And here Paul will quote from Isaiah. He'll quote from Deuteronomy. There are several quotes here where he will just remind us that the Gentiles are able to come in and they're able to worship specifically. In verse 9 he says, And to sing your name. To be able to come and, and sing together. And you've heard me before say, I I love individual worship. And you should worship individually. You should not wait just for Sunday morning to worship God. You shouldn't just wait for a Sunday night or Wednesday night or just when the gathering. You, you, You ought to have moments where you will just stop and worship Him. But I do believe there is something that is really wonderful about coming together as God's people. Now, the Scripture says that The Holy Spirit lives within us, right? We are the temple of God. His presence is within the believer. But also, we know that that God manifests himself in the church in a different way. Where two or three people are gathered, there he is also. In other words, a great manifestation of his presence. So I love to be able to sing together. I love to be able to hear your voice, join my voice, and collectively sing together. Now, you've already seen the slides of where God has allowed us to sing in some different forms and places, whether it's from a a building over on Alabama to whether it was this strange-looking design, this form. Look, we can even sing in a tree. (laughs) Or maybe... It's here in this sanctuary or it's up in the gathering today. Whatever it is, we're able to sing together and worship. I say again, you can stay home. And yes, I understand. I understand the presence of God can be in your heart and life. But you will miss out on the wonderful, dynamic singing worship that God has intended for His church. God's intended for you to belong 
to be apart, to be together. So we sing together. Finally here, verse 13. I think he says we're able to see together. The hope and the vision that he has for us. Notice this last verse here. He says, Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember that the biblical concept of hope means assurance or confidence. It, it, it doesn't mean wishful thinking. It means that we are assured and confident of what God has done and what God will continue to do because of who He is and what He has accomplished already. We're able to see together. He says, that's what I hope that you would, you would see, this assurance by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit which empowers you and grows you. We have such a future and such a hope, I believe. Look at the young families that God has brought into our church. Now, this was just one of the many baby dedications that we've had. Some of you could walk back toward the journey place and you will have seen in the recent months we had 20-something babies that were due here in this church. Isn't that incredible? Wonderful? Miss Sally said that we're down to about the single digits now. So in other words, some of you are going to be announcing soon. Some of you not us. <laughs> but we have a future because we have our children, the generations to come. I heard this in the video. We have tried to emphasize this. We want this to be known that we at Temple Baptist Church, we want to be a multi-generational church, not just serving one, but serving all the generations and allowing God to do great things among the generations as he brings us together. Something, of course, that you'll hear in the coming days is continuing to, to provide places for worship. Maybe it's in the youth area upstairs, if, as you've heard us talk about in the next few months. That'll be something that we'll see in the very near future. But again, it's not just about what's here, and it's not just about the building. It can't be. It, it must not be. It must be about the mission that God has called us to, to reach people here. Yes, to reach people in our state, to reach people in our nation and around the world. Continued partnerships, we pray. Already we are touching the world, touching this nation in particular in Los Angeles, as you've heard us talk about there at Story City Church. Can you imagine 90 years ago, take this back, 90 years ago to think that the founders who brought us together could even imagine the opportunities we would have to be a part of such a work in Los Angeles and, and, and in Chicago, as you'll see, in, in different places, they rallied around, and now we're able to continue to expand the mission because of the foundation that they set, the mission in the day to come. We must, we must be faithful to the mission. Again, all the way around the world, whether it's here in Ruston, whether it's in our state, South Louisiana, or wherever, it's in the cities of our nation, whether it's in Central Asia, South Asia, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Europe, if it's in Central America, 
God has called us to see the future and see the opportunity and, and to be able to see the hope and the vision that he has for us. This Temple Baptist Church. When I came here, I met with Steve Lemke down in Baton Rouge. And Dr. Lemke is here today. Of course, Lemke has been part of this church for a long time. And Dr. Lemke taught me a different classes at seminary. I had him for ethics. I've always told people, if you question my ethics, you better go talk to Steve Lemke, I guess. And one of the people trained here at Temple. We, we sat down and uh, never told this, Steve, and never told this here in the church necessarily, but he, he kind of assumed um, the posture of the professor, which he has before. And he began talking to me about Temple. And you know what I did? I assumed the posture of the student. And I started writing down different things. There on the, I, I believe, I wasn't well prepared. Probably worse prepared than I usually was at seminary. But I was writing down on the tablecloth there at TJ Ribs. It was disposable. I was going to tear it off. But I was just writing down the different strengths and weaknesses. You know, some of the things that I thought about, obviously, as I've already mentioned, the studying together and the preachers. And, and I told told Dr. Lemke, I said, you know, I just, that's the concern I have because I don't know if I could follow such a line of preachers and such a line of heritage that Temple had. I mean, I shudder to think of standing in the pulpit some days. But one of the things that drove me here and one of the things that keeps me here, one of the things that I'm so excited about each day is I believe that God has a great future for us. That he has built us in a strong way and that we will continue on fulfilling his purpose and his plan. And that the God of heaven, which is the God of all resources, the God of all hope, the God of all assurance, the God of all confidence, is the God who empowers us. And that is the reason I know each and every day we can accomplish what he calls us to, to be about. Some of you read my tidings article this week. No amens there, but two of you did, maybe. <laughs> I close my article with this quote, and I want to use this quote this morning as a way of challenge. It was given by our pastor, Dr. Robert McGee, after the 40th anniversary celebration. He wrote these words in 1966, in September of 1966. He said, as the Bible is a book written in different tenses, so is Christian endeavor. There is past, present, and future. Temple is a church with an illustrious history as so vividly portrayed in our records. A trail of glory is blazed through sac sacrificial giving and living. This fact should never grow dim in our thinking or we will become dull in our service. If God preserves a record of words and deeds on earth, they must be important. And get this. This is my, my favorite quote from this, favorite line. He says, yet no congregation can live off the glory of the past or the intentions for the future. What a challenge. We can't live off the glory of the past. We celebrate. We recognize that God is the one who has been faithful. We know that. But my friends, we cannot live over what God has done. We want to live for what God is going to do. And not just intentions. Did you notice what Dr. McGee said? He said, not live off the glory of the past or the intentions for the future. 
See, all of us have good intentions. All of us think of things that we think we can do or we can accomplish. It's not about intentions. It is about faith and commitment and action and determination that we become the feet, we become the voice, we become the heart of Jesus Christ to our community and beyond. That's what he wants us to continue to do. He wants us to walk with determination, not just good intentions, but we are determined to fulfill his will and his purpose. We are determined to see God demonstrate his glory in a greater way than we ever have before. We all have great reflections and memories. We all can think about how God, even for those of us who've been here a short time, we recognize how God has built relationships already. We give thanks. We are grateful, as we should always be as a people. But we also recognize that God has called us to see the vision that he has, to see together the hope, the assurance, the confidence that Christ is prepared because he is the one who has empowered us by his Holy Spirit. What a great day to celebrate life together as a people, as a church. During this moment of reflection and invitation, would you just join me in giving thanks to this God above? Would you commit yourself to this togetherness? Would you? Maybe for some of you, this is a day where you come and say, I want to be a part of this church. For some of you, it may be a day when you find that person, as I said earlier, and just say, thank you. Or maybe you go and say, hey, can I pray for you? Let's live life together. Let's live it boldly for Christ. Let's pray. Father, how we glorify you today and praise you. We have felt your presence, your spirit here among us. Father, you have challenged us. You have spoken to us. You have overwhelmed us. God, as your people this morning, I come with one voice to just say thank you. for the relationships that you have built here, for the salvations that have been known, for the growth, the, the discipleship, for the mission efforts and opportunities. God, we say thank you. But God, we also pray that this day would be a day of challenge for us. Lord, we pray that you would confront us right where we are, and Lord, that we would, Lord, we would respond to you with that faith and commitment that action and determination that you've called for. Lord, we pray that you would continue to move among your people here and use us. Allow your Holy Spirit to empower us to see great things for your kingdom. Lord, we pray for that glory to be demonstrated. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?